Are you ready to learn more about promoting play, defending childhood, empowering caregivers? Save 10% on professional development at explorationsearlylearning.com and support the show with the coupon code OOL. Click the link in the show notes to browse upcoming trainings. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of Out of Line. I'm Annie Friday, and I am joined once again by our special guest, LaToya Nelson. LaToya, who's based in Georgia and pushing back the way that um, classroom management is handled by simply centering relationships with children, which is really ridiculous, but it is also revolutionary. It's ridiculous that it is revolutionary, but um, it's been making a difference. And LaToya joined us and shared a lot about that and the theory behind it, the purpose behind it, the why, how she got there. And now we're going to dig in a little bit more about some of the tools to do that, how she centers relationships. Um, And let's start by talking a little bit about the tools you used to use Latoya, not to call anybody <laughs> out, but I'm I'm always curious where people start from. You know, did you have a, a behavior chart in your classroom at some point? Did, did you write names on the board? What was it we like? We did. You know, I taught middle school when I started, so silent lunch was the thing. <laughs> um, and silent lunch, ah. I couldn't even do silent lunch right. Because my kids would always want to talk to me and I would end up talking to them back because that's just my very nature. But silent lunch was a thing. Detention was a thing. Of course, token economy. Um, you know, oh, behave, you'll get this call book or whatever. Um, and so, you know, do the right thing. Walk on the line. You'll get this call book. Um, and then you can cash these in for like, extra recess or extra whatever um, and so I use all the those treasure things. chest that's filled with something that will break before you even get it home literally filled with junk um and so Sorry, I was the like chest out there <laughs> and I also hated uh one thing I loathed and I'm so glad I like just opted out was that conditional piece like oh behaving you get to have lunch with the teacher um as if you know you were only welcome in my presence if you behaved in the way that I felt you should and mm-hmm. I'm so embarrassed of those days <laughs> and I'm so grateful for growth honestly um because I know that we all start somewhere and, well, and no not shade a, because yeah. those are like that's what a lot of people are given like there's not a lot yeah. of um information in in teacher education courses on how to do it um and so Uh-oh. if you grew up with a behavior chart in your classroom you're like okay that's what my teacher did and you you try it and i don't think they work very well anymore but <laughs> maybe some teacher <laughs> has them um yeah, it's so interesting that we just we start with what we know and and the, yeah, the, the FaceTime like that that sounds like something sweet, you know, on first glance. I think you mentioned in the last episode, like people come with the best intentions to this stuff. Like, but what does that do for the kids who don't get to talk to the teacher? They mm-hmm. think the teacher doesn't want to talk to them. They think their teacher doesn't value them. They think the teacher doesn't like them. And so yeah, we when we dig into the neuroscience and everything we know about child development, we start to be like, wait a second, hang on. <laughs> Absolutely. And I think that teacher preparation 
programs do not spend enough time on child development or brain development. There is not enough conversation around like the science of a child's brain and how it perceives some of the very things that they tell us to do and how, you know, we are leading with good intentions, but we are so misinformed um, and we are creating a survival-like response when we are enacting some of these things. And it's not a dig at anyone who uses them because like you and I both said, we all started somewhere and we're doing the best we can when you've got classes of 30 five-year-olds or at one point I had 60 middle schoolers um you know like um, you know 60 you're middle schoolers in 60, one classroom 60 when we were doing like RTI and all those sorts of things but just you, know, you? 60 just me. <laughs> I love hearing stuff like that that's just like... I mean I took a picture one day and none of the kids faces were showing but I took a picture to show the lines and someone was like, that is not all of all the, I said, yes, every single last one, every single last one. I mean, they were piled on top of each other. Oh my God. Uh, so, um, and, and within that range too, like, I know we talk about big class sizes a lot because it, it is just amazing. The difference between 20 kids and 25 kids and what that those five kids do, but also like, you go into a kindergarten classroom these days that has 30 kids in it they're anywhere from four years old to seven years old and like everywhere on the developmental like some can write in cursive (laughs) some have never (laughs) seen a pencil before I mean it's okay yeah so like 60 kids in middle school you know it's no easy feat so this you know I Whoever's listening, I don't want them to think, you know, that it's a dig at them. But those are the things that I knew to use. I knew to use, let's have a classroom party. Let's, you know, if you're misbehaved when the sub is here, then I'm going to, you're all going to have silent lunch, you know, just all those punitive things. That's what I knew. And I was like, this is some trash. Like, this is one, they're not even responding, you know, to this. It is not working. And so I just, I just stopped. I was like, I'm not about to keep giving myself a headache. Like my blood pressure is literally rising. And (laughs) you're like, the teacher, I'm waiting. And it's been like seven years. Yes. (laughs) Like, no thanks. This is not working. And I just was like, what else can I do? Like, you know, how can I shift? And that's ultimately what I did. And like you said, it can, you know, conscious discipline can kind of seem gimmicky at first um, because we don't know. Everyone wants like a tool, a strategy, something they can visibly see or use. Um, And it's harder to say, just shift your mindset, right? That's the hard work is that shift like that. But um, once some books that I did read or things that I helped use to guide me, um, that one is actually a classroom tool. Um, I forget her last name, but Becky is her first name. Um, and the book is called The Conscious Classroom. And is it's that conscious- Becky Bailey's book? Yes, Becky yeah, yeah, Bailey. Dr. Becky um, Bailey, uh-huh. And so there are some great strategies to use with younger children as far as like songs and hand games. Because again, brain science, eye and hand connection help build, you know, help eye and hand help build that kind of connection that you need 
um, to build that rapport and relationship and doing that not only with you, but with their peers as well to kind of foster that community. Um, in middle school, it can get a little tougher. <laughs> so in middle school, um, be, I primarily worked um, after I left the gen ed population and behavior support. Um, and so one thing I like to do with my students was we had what I, we called our healing playlist. Um, and so we curated a list of songs, one that helped us through a hard time, um, mm -hmm. one that helped us, that reminded us of a hard time, but we kind of found strength in it. Um, and then one that brought us joy. Um, uh -huh. So we would play those songs every morning um, to start our day off. Um, and we also always had a soft start. Um, I always, no matter what room I was in, had a soft start. And what soft starts are is you just don't come in and get right to work. <laughs> so we come in and we kind of take it slow and we're talking with each other and we're eating our breakfast together um, because that's very powerful as a family when you eat together. Um, you build connection, you build relationship, you build rapport. And so doing that with my students, it curated those same feelings and connections and emotions. And so that's how we start. And, and we always had lovely to have a soft landing and like yeah. time to just arrive and like, and just be <laughs> transition. Like I know I, when I get to work, like I need a moment to just like arrive okay. and these kids, I mean, that's what they're doing there when they're coming into school these days, it's like walking into work. There's not a whole lot, Literally. Of like, you know, again, they've got to be ready to learn whatever you're ready presenting whenever. So like yep. at least let them show up and say hello to you. Yep. And so um, even now in my elementary classroom, we start with a soft start. And so they know they come in, they unpack their bag, they sit down, they pull out whatever it is they want to play with, whether it's magnets, house, or Legos. Oftentimes they want me to play with them, which is really good. Because again, that kind of talking back and forth, that eye connection, all builds that relationship and that rapport and that trust. Mm -hmm. um, and after we have those soft starts, we move on to morning meeting. And I always ask about how was your bus ride? You know, did you, what did you have for dinner last night? Did you eat breakfast this morning? How was your car ride? Did you listen to music? What did you hear? How were you feeling in that car ride? Um, is there anything that will impact your day, whether it's good or bad? And I don't like to always just say bad because even good things, exciting things, things that are fun can have high emotion and dysregulate you but as you're looking forward to it. You can be anxious or whatever the case may be. So we talk about those things and we all share them and we go through our calendar, what we're looking forward to. And we, um, on Tuesdays, we have talk about it Tuesdays. So we do would, would you rather? Um, and oh, then, you know, on Wednesdays, we have wacky Wednesdays where it's just kind of corny jokes <laughs> and then thoughtful Thursdays are where we add tools to our toolbox for mindfulness. So everyone contributes something that they use. And then fun oh, Fridays is when we play a game in the morning and then we move into our transition for working and I just kind of work on something small. We always start small so they can feel accomplished. And then we move into um, our larger lesson. I love that. And those are things that I've done and they have worked for me. Um, and, you know, some people are very data driven. So I even have data um, that proves that it has worked for me. Um, That's what I was just going to say. So I'm sure there are people who are skeptical who think you're taking like teaching time, instructional time away. <laughs> 
like what's the data? How did you how did you figure out how to prove so that and get people off my your back? Very last set of eighth graders grew five years in one year. Um, and my principal said to me, I have seen such a leader emerge from you in your time here. Um, and that really validated what I was doing was working. Um, and even this year in my current classroom, all of my students exceeded their max scores. Every single last one of them um, exceeded their max scores by 15 points or more mid-year. Mm-hmm. Um, so they are already have surpassed where they need to be for the spring. So let's say they have a bad day. I'm in the spring. It is what it is because they've already passed. But part of that is just being patient. Um, I have to admit something there. (laughs) I, I, um, I said, wow, when you said the 15 points, but like, I was a bad parent. And even when my kids were in public school and like, as soon as this teacher started talking about tests and scores, I'd I'd glaze over. So I don't know what that means, but like, wow, because I I know it means something if you're saying it. (laughs) I mean, it doesn't hold any weight for me, but I know there are people No, but you're speaking the language of the wolves. Yeah. Who are only going to want to know how does this help academically? Well, that's how it helped academically. When I mm-hmm. look at my anecdotal data, I have a student that had literally not been to school in essentially almost three years, and now he is back with me full day. No meltdowns, oh. no anything. He doesn't say he hates school anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, you know, if you want it, it's proof that you just have to be patient. You just have to be gentle. Um, and it does, it does work. It's, it is time consuming, but if you upload that time at front, up front, and if you lead with, these are my children, you know, everyone wants to say it takes a village, then you have to truly believe that you are a part of that village and that not seeing them as other people's children, but seeing yourself as the other mother. Um, and as that other nurturer, that other caretaker and building that connection and that rapport so that it's there. Because the goal of this is not to manipulate or condition children to conform and comply and respond in a way that you want them to, but to get them to know that they can trust every emotion with you. And that every emotion is valid and that you are going to walk them through it and co-regulate with them and validate how they feel. And children learn from people that they like. They they truly do. And if they <laughs> like you and they love you, no matter what they're learning, whether it's life or whether it's academic, they they will show you. Because they're yeah. going to want to just naturally, we want to please the people that we care about just naturally. Totally. You just want the people that you care about to feel joy. Well, and that's why you don't have to have that extra element of manipulating their behavior because mm-hmm. they, they're going to see it authentically. And and again, yeah, like we want to see each other happy, the people we're in relationships with, especially. And I chuckled because if you've ever had a bad teacher or teacher, you didn't get <laughs> along with her. You weren't in the good graces of like. I just, I remember certain teachers being like, well, I'm screwed for the year. Like, not only am I not going <laughs> to learn, it's going to be miserable getting through it. And you just, as the child in that relationship, all you can do is wait it out. Like you can't really fight back. Maybe depending on who, who's your administrator, who your parents are, maybe they'll talk and get you a different teacher or whatever. But when you have a bad teacher, it's just over. It is. 
Well, and I love the way you talk about centering relationships in a way that um, it seems like you almost make it more accessible to yourself, like by putting together a playlist with your students that includes the music. I mean, I love those three things that, that got them through a hard times that reminds them of something they've overcome and, and something that brings them joy. I think we're about the three, like, and then that that's on, they're getting that like, oh, my teacher cares about me without you needing to be there in that moment. Like they're hearing that through the playlist that their music is playing, um, that they are central to that learning environment and, and how beautiful, like, isn't that the point that we're making these humans who are here to come learn from us or with us, like be the central component in that environment. Absolutely. And the same with parents, like you said, like bringing them in, like so many parents have a bad relationship from, from schools where they're only called in when their kid's in trouble, like invite them in, you know, metaphorically, physically, whatever, before there's a problem, like Mm -hmm. celebrate their kids with them. Absolutely. I don't care how minor something may seem. I always try and tell my parents every day something funny that they may have said or did. I want them to feel as much a part of our family, you know, as I do and as their children do. I want them to feel, you know, those those pieces of that as if they belong um, in our space because they do. They are very much a valuable source to us. Um, and so I think that's really important. Um, and that's just kind of how I lead. I I just try and lead with those morning meetings and those soft starts and that connection. I also just give my kids things just because. Um, and when I say give, it, it doesn't have to always be something tangible, but whatever it is, whether it's time or whatever, there's no condition mm. attached to it. You know, there's no, you don't deserve it or you didn't deserve it you get this, you deserve it because you're you, because you're here. We're celebrating you because you are here. You are human and you deserve to have good things happen to you. And so I just, I try and lead with that Mm -hmm. um, because I think it's so important that they see that their relationship with me is not conditional upon if they make me happy and that it's not their job to make me happy. And I always remind them that and they say, are you happy that I did that? I say, well, how do you feel? You know, mm-hmm. how do you feel about you accomplishing that? You know, mm-hmm. I, it's not about me. How do you feel? I'm going to always be excited and root for you. But I want to know how you feel. I don't want you to feel like you have to make me happy. That's not your job. It's my job to make my own self happy mm-hmm. um, and to find joy in the other things around me. You know, you're adding to that. But not your job to do that for me um it's just teaching them those valuable skills for relationships when they're older um and just holding those expectations and those boundaries in and that's just kind of the the tools and strategies that I use and they have worked for me and they continue to work for me um and that doesn't mean that we don't have meltdowns or bad days um because they are human beings and I have bad days and sometimes they have days when they are overwhelmed and we get through them and the next day is a new day and we move on mm-hmm. <laughs> because that's what you do. Oh, I love that. I love that because it's so simple and yet um, it's something I think that gets forgotten in a lot of conventional education settings that like 
what if today were their only day? Um, you know, Lisa Murphy talks about that. What if it were their, their only day today and um, they were going to walk out of here? And, and how would you make them feel? How would they leave feeling? And also it's a new day. Like you don't have to hold on to what happened yesterday. And so many kids get a reputation. I mean, half the classrooms they'll enter after kindergarten, the, their name has already been, they've already got a reputation attached to their name, whether it be good, bad, neutral, whatever. Um, and those teachers are passing that on. So it's such a hard thing to do to approach it every day as new and um, give everybody truly a clean slate. But again, if you're really basing in relationships and like, I, I love the term other mother that you've introduced me to, like, this is, that's the work, like treating them as they are because you care for them at, at a certain point around the pandemic. Um, I think there was a big hubbub about schools being childcare. And, and when schools closed, most families lost childcare, especially, you know, a lot of childcare stayed open to people who had to work um, the early childhood under five kind of childcare, but all of a sudden, and, and it was amazing the amount of teachers who were coming out and saying, I am not, school is not childcare. Um, but at the same time, in the early childhood world, there were a few books and authors and people writing about um, Carol Garbadon Murray wrote a book about care and Angela Garbage wrote, wrote a book about the essential labor of moms. Um, care being an essential component to these relationships we're building as teachers and educators. And it, it doesn't have to be a dirty thing. Like, We've made childcare such a dirty word in our in our culture, but um, what about if you center care? And it sounds like your classroom has fully centered the care of the people in it, which is just such a lovely way to think about it. Well, do I think people forget the systemic pieces? You know, it's unfortunate that schools have to operate as such, but I think we that all comes again with unlearning what school is. Mm -hmm. um, because school can be anywhere, but if you only view school as in a four walls um, with people who are teachers, and of course, it might feel like an attack for people to need you um, in order to go off to work. And so I think, you know, there's so much to unpack around that, you know, the way that we look at school, the way that we look at women, the way that we look at the work of women who are primarily child care providers. Um, and why people get in such an uproar when school is looked at, you know, as that place. But if we center community and we center humanity and the humaneness of children, then we could look at school as the center of the community, mm -hmm. a place where they can receive all of their services, no matter what it be that they need, whether it's food, whether it's clothing, whether it's education, whether it's therapy. Um, we would view it completely different. But because we don't value the work that children do in school and because we don't value children, it seems like an attack that mm. people need that place and use that place as it is. But that is something so much larger. Um, okay, LaJoya, <laughs> we're going to have you back for episode three. Oh, this was, oh my gosh, yes. I want to go on and on and on and on and on about that. Um uh, yes, such an important piece of it, the systemic piece of it and what it does and what it means and what we did when we stopped living, you know, the ways of indigenous cultures um, where we took care of each other in community in such a different, different way. 
um, and learning is not something separate that has to happen in a special place. And oh, yes. <laughs> Thank you so much for joining again. These tools sound awesome. I love your idea of um, having a, a theme day that's predictable to create routine and rhythm in a classroom and and support emotional needs in, in an honest and authentic way. Um, again, tell us where we can find you because you've got big things coming and I'm excited <laughs> to watch you just flourish. You can find me on raising underscore underscore resilience on Instagram. And you can find me at the Attune Community School on both Instagram and Facebook. Um, you can see any of the work that I'm doing in those places. Yes. Thank you so much, Latoya, for joining me. This has been such a pleasure. I look forward to talking again soon. <laughs> awesome. Bye. All right. Bye-bye. <laughs> It's time to become a member of Playvolution HQ and Explorations Early Learning. There's a free option and three paid patron-level options. All come with free stuff and ongoing automatic training and merch discounts. For as little as a dollar a month, you can become a patron. That supports our work and you get premium stuff like early access to fresh podcast episodes. Go to explorationsearlylearning.com slash membership or click the link in this episode's description to learn more. All the cool listeners are doing it. This has been an Explorations Early Learning Upstairs Studio production. Oh.